connect with us on this unpredictable wave of sobriety. And when we find ourselves choking on a mouthful of saltiness, let's stop waiting to exhale and just spit some truth. Without further ado, your hosts, Alyssa Gruskin and Brie Juarez. Hey guys, Alyssa here. Welcome to another episode of Salty Moms Gone Sober. Hey guys, Brie here. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We have a guest joining us all the way from Jackson, Mississippi. Alyssa, would you care to introduce her? Yes, so tonight we have the wonderful Courtney Reeve, and she is here to share her story, and we're super excited to have her here tonight. So Courtney, do you want to go ahead and start sharing? Sure. Thanks, ladies. Um, I'm really super excited to be on this podcast. I listen to y'all every month. Monday, Tuesday, usually it's my ride to work, and I really love it. I've really gotten into sober podcast. I'm obsessed with them, and uh, it's it's kind of a, a wonderful, joyful ride that I have now that used to be a little different back in the day. But yeah, my name's Courtney. I am almost 20 months sober. People still call me a newbie with the, with sobriety. Uh, I, my sobriety date is January 2nd. 2021 and a lot of people ask me if that was like a new year's resolution no like I started my journey really in 2019 but relapse is a part of my story and it's kind of some hard lessons that I had to learn and you know I've really known I was an alcoholic for a very long time again yeah I'm from Jackson Mississippi and I grew up in Louisiana and in Louisiana really alcohol is like second nature it's no joke I mean we have the drive-through liquor bars I mean you could drive through and take a shot if you wanted to I mean I started drinking probably at the age of 14 not super hardcore but you know drinks here and there um you know my my family is uh, it's me and my mom and dad and brother and uh my mom and dad separated whenever um, I was a senior in high school, and you know they—I I love my family. I mean, I, my brother was really the problem child, so I looked like the angel. Parted up in Jackson for a little while, and then I moved to Hattiesburg, and really I would just have fun, do some stuff, and then kind of get tired of you know the scenery and want to change it. And so I'd go to a new town, and I really liked the whole new town thing and like changing my life again. And 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 really all that time it was just fun times in my twenties. And then whenever I moved to Hattiesburg is you know smoking weed every day I actually got I was on probation and uh because I was the designated driver not even joking designated driver for some really cute dude and uh he had weed somewhere in the car like I guess in his pocket or something like that and it fell out whenever like we got pulled over and the and this is how the south is but they caught me and I was pulling me over and he was like do you have anything in the car that I don't even know about I was like well I got a couple hot beers in the bag but they're hot like I haven't drank them I was like I promise I'm just a DD and like he didn't even care like two of them were open and you know that's just the south for you I mean it's just and like oh okay well I could tell you haven't drank tonight but then they found the marijuana which was like maybe a bowl and that was it and then so they arrested me I was so scary and I mean I got bailed out and I lied to my mom told her that I got robbed at gunpoint and that I couldn't make rent because and really I just spent my rent money on bail money to get myself out 
and I and I made this a whole elaborate lie as to what happened because I didn't want her to know about me going to jail, even though my brother's life's all fucked up and her life's all fucked up, and really I just blend in with the family. They're just finally realizing that I wasn't as perfect, like because they still thought I was just the perfect girl, but really they just never checked on me to know what was going on. So they just they knew what I told them. That's basically how my life was, and they never went into any further detail to check how I was. And anyway, so I was on probation while I was in Hattiesburg, and I still drove around. I lost my my um, driver's license, but that was it. And that was during the Katrina days, whenever Hurricane Katrina came, and they would have hurricane parties. And I wanted to stay for the hurricane party because everybody said it's going to be super fun. And my mother, like, she actually, she went to rehab, and she did sober up to a point. Like, I think she she's never done, like, what she did before. She, she went to rehab, and that was, like, my first experience with someone going through recovery and actually you know having those like the talk with your 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 significant other or or your parent or your friend and like them you know saying this is how you hurt me and you know and this is how alcohol has affected my life you know and I felt like such a hypocrite whenever I was having to write a letter to her to tell her how much she affected my life because like here I am like drinking a six-pack on the way and I'm supposed to tell her you know shame on you for overindulging on alcohol and pills I mean it sucked yeah she's supposed to be the responsible one but now that like I'm 38 and have seen a lot of shit I don't a part of me doesn't blame her for some of it but a part of me now well actually all of me now realizes that 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 coping skill is just never the way to go and and that's really what my escape was is I, I could just escape from my thoughts and just drink my beer by myself or in my biotics because my drunk ass thought I could like carve a bug bite out of my leg with a bottle of tequila and a knife gave myself staff the doctor like I felt like such an idiot the doctor's like how stupid are you I was like well you know what tequila does um but I I I wasn't drinking that night and he wasn't drinking either but turns out it's just because he's broke and he doesn't really drink like uh I do and uh but he did smoke weed so we smoked weed for a while and then like we got married and it was kind of time for us to be an adult like everybody's supposed to do and you know get a real job and all that jazz and long story short we moved to Jackson and we basically started our life sober and uh, it was kind of a turning point for me because I I was used to a world of you work you go to the bar right after boom and and you just repeat and then I came into a world where it's not a college town anymore and people have their jobs and I'm supposed to just like wake up, go to work and come home and do a nine to five job that I'd never had before. And it was just a complete like culture shock for me. And, you know, I found a job at a bank, started doing telework and my drinking really wasn't that bad at first. Like I was just, I mean, like I really stopped smoking weed whenever we moved to Jackson and and like it was almost like that cloud lifted up and you're like kind of looking above what your life was like as a pothead and you're like oh wow that I mean that was really your life and then you know I, I wouldn't drink that much but then it started with like Friday 40s and I'd make a joke about it and I'd pick me up a couple 40s on my ride home because where we live was like about 20-30 minutes away from where I work 
So there's plenty of time to have two beers. And well, then two beers turn into like three beers. And then it turned into Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 40s, you know. And and I really didn't care. I never really saw that much of an issue with it until like I started introducing liquor. And and it just kind of just trinkled from there. I was depressed. Uh, I didn't have all my friends anymore that I could go out with. And it was, that's just how it was. And I, I went back to school and... I'm, all of this, I'm still drink. I'm drinking on the way to school, and then whenever I get done, I'll pick me up a couple beers for the way home. When I did homework, I was drinking. I mean, if I was sober then, I bet I would have really have passed a lot more of my test. But um, unfortunately, that wasn't. But I still passed. I still did good. And so I really kind of, in my mind, I was like, I got this. I mean, this is just how my life is. I'm a drinker. I mean, we went to, uh, we love going to Music Fest. We've gone to so many of them. And uh, one time we were at one and I bought a shirt that said Alcoholics Unanimous. And like the girl was not going to set it out, but her mom had made it. And and the mom was like, well, I think it's hilarious. She's like, well, some people might find that offensive. And I'm like, I think it's freaking hilarious. Let me rock that thing. And I would. And like now I, I can see why people find it offensive. Because now I'm just more, on, I'm on the other side. Like, uh, you know, it, you hear it every time. Everybody always says that it was fun until it wasn't fun anymore. It, it worked for me until it stopped working for me. And, you know, my... I was a fun girl to go out with. We'd have fun. But, you know, of course, everybody else went home and went about their lives. So, well, I didn't want to stop drinking. I mean, I was the pre-partier, the partier, and the post-partier. And, I mean, I could just keep on going. How? I have no clue. But I just did it. And, it, like, nobody really saw, like, those pre and post. They just saw the middle part, the middle fun. And the only person that really saw that was my husband. I mean, he... He saw it all, and it really took, like, I'll, I do AA, I'm in a 12-step program, and I'll talk about, you know, how, how I got there, you know, it's just definitely if we have, like, the first step pro, uh, meetings, and I'll say that, you know, everything was really great. I didn't have any bad consequences, except for that time I spent seven days in the hospital with pancreatitis, but other than that, I think that, you know, it wasn't that bad of consequences, and, but, it, I mean, how silly is, I mean, it was bad. Like, I was in the hospital for seven days. It, and, like, then, like, you know, I'm telling people why I'm there, and then you Google pancreatitis, and the first thing that really shows up is, you know, happens over excessive use of alcohol. I mean, and at home, I, me and my husband get in fights almost every other week about alcohol and where'd all the vodka go, and I'm like, I don't know. And, you know, then I'll start refilling it with water. Just, I always want to make people happy or I want, I want to make people laugh. And those are just kind of like my go-tos. And I'm like the hostess with the mostest. But, you know, deep down inside, like I was just in a very, very dark place that was alone. That I was kind of like, someone please say, Courtney, stop drinking. And I honestly, I think the only person that could say that was me and God, and, um, you know, I, I don't try to be super religious, I didn't grow up in a church, but I mean, you know, God is my higher power, as they like to say in the meetings, but um, I, it, it took, it took a lot, and, you know, I started, I went to my, it really wasn't my first AA meeting, I, I tried to go to AA meeting when I was like 25, whenever I was first, like, questioning the fact of how much I drink, and then I told one of my friends and he laughed at me for whenever I was like crying over the phone saying 
I went to AA and he's like, Courtney, you're not an alcoholic. And I was like, oh, okay, well, now that we got that over with, let me just go about my life and have a little slip up. And then I would go like two months and I'd have a little slip up. And then I went six months or almost six months. And then I had a work trip. I, I work for a pretty predominant company and um, I'm in the finance field and I really kind of made a, a good spot for myself. I mean, I'm, uh, I don't like to, I'm not like toot my own horn, but a little toot toot. I mean, I've been able to successfully grow and still drink. And like the company I work for, they're, they're such drinkers. It's like normal for them. I mean, maybe it's just a Southern thing. I don't know, but there's like alcohol everywhere. And it, it was really hard. Like my boss knew about me being in the hospital and why, and my HR knew why, and my husband and my immediate family knew why. And uh, everybody else, it was just, I had a stomach, I had a, I had a horrible stomach problem and I needed to be in the hospital. And then and I started doing AA, nobody really, I, and I, I think I was scared to tell people that I was in AA, probably because I was flashing back to my friend laughing at me for me saying I went to AA. Cause like, it was like, that's a shameful thing to say that, you know, you have a drinking problem or if you have a drug problem, because you know, that's not, no one should make you feel that way. I mean, it, it takes enough guts as it is to walk into any room, whether it's AA or NA or just a freaking church building where there's a support group. I mean, and I was bawling like for the first two months and, you know, and I, I'm, 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 I'm stubborn. I'm hardheaded. I, I traveled on that pink cloud and then I was like, Oh, I got this. And then guess what? I don't. And, you know, and my sponsor at the time that I thought didn't know me and didn't understand, even though she had 22 years of sobriety, you know, I, I knew better than her. And she was just like, Courtney, you know, just, you have to be ready for this. You have to know what's your pro like that this is a problem for you and you have to accept it no one else is going to tell you to get sober only you can tell you to get sober everybody can give you the ultimatums that you you're going to hear but it takes you actually wanting to do it and I'm like okay I will while I'm drinking a beer you know it, it was just such a hypocritical state of mind that I was in and so I kind of ventured on for about three or four more months the pandemic I used it as an excuse to drink because I worked from home and my kid was actually in, in school and it was just me by myself. So I had no accountability. I could just drink beer and work all day. It was a dark time. I mean, but again, I was hiding it. Nobody except for my husband really knew. And uh, New Year's Eve came uh, in 2020 and had a good time. It was the first time I was really drinking in front of everybody because a lot, of, some of my friends, not a lot, knew about me trying to be sober. But, and they were always so weird. They're like, oh, are you okay that I'm drinking around you? I, I don't want to make it feel awkward. And I'm just like, why don't you just shut up about it and just have your drink and go about your business and not make a big, big freaking deal about it because that just makes it like worse for me. Like, let's not all stop and look at Courtney and realize she's drinking a, a sparkling water instead of you know your hard seltzer that you have like and and and, and it's course because a lot of my friends are alcoholic well they all like to drink let's just put it that way i'm not going to say that they're alcoholics they all just like to drink and 
I like to drink just a little bit more than they did. And um, that New Year's Eve, I had a good time. And it was at my house. We had a house party. I mean, it was like kids and, and adults. I mean, it wasn't like anything crazy because I don't, I don't have that life anymore. But, you know, I, I got pretty drunk and woke up and drank. A, a, I grabbed me another hard seltzer out of the fridge. And it was like the morning. And, like, I was, it, I had a habit of hiding my drinks in my cupboard in my bathroom and then just sipping every time I got a chance. And my husband, like, walked in while I was trying to get ready. And he was like, why are you hiding that? I was like, well, I don't know. He's like, you know, you don't have to hide it from me. And I was like, awesome. I don't have to hide it anymore. And so I thought that was great. So that just gave me a reason to have two more. And then we were getting ready to leave to go out of town. And I said, oops, I forgot something in the house because I just wanted to get one more shot for the road. And he followed me in and he saw me take that shot. And I think it was that, that look of disappointment that was on his face because he really didn't say anything. He just looked and he was like, okay, I, he was like, I just can't do this anymore. And I think that was kind of my light bulb that was just like, I am the problem. And I didn't really realize I was the problem. And I just, I didn't want to be the problem anymore. And it was a very quiet two hour drive to my dad's house where they asked me to fix their drinks because I used to be the bartender, which, so it, it's just like, okay, I'm kind of mentally in my head going freaking crazy. And now I, and I'm talking about, okay, I really want to get sober down. And then I go to somebody else's house and they're like, fix me a drink. And I'm just like, you have no idea what's going on in my head right now, but sure. Why not? Because you asked that I'm a people pleaser. And you know, after that day, I told my husband on the ride home and like, I was crying and I was like, I, I don't want to be the problem anymore. And like, I know a lot of people don't really know about how bad it's gotten, but you know, my marriage is important. I'm important. And I, I just don't, cause I was really sad. I was really in a dark place, but you know, I, I put that server hostess face on in front of everybody else and I'm fine, but you close the door then in the night I'm drinking by myself alone and it, it got really dark and that's the only way I could really describe it. And if you know it, you know it, because I, I like everything's so much brighter now. Because I walked into the rooms, I went to a different uh, group, a new home group, which you know, it, it, it. I think that's a really important thing for a lot of people to understand is if you go into one AA group, AA group, and you're like, uh, I'm not feeling this, and then you're like, well, then I'm just not gonna do it. I, I just, you know, really suggest just find another one there's like apps out there i mean it's gotten so digital i mean that's how i found you guys i mean it's from podcasts it's from i mean the meeting guy that'll basically tell you anything in like a 30 mile radius and and if it wasn't for that i wouldn't have found all of them and i started to meet different people and i found a group of people that were like my age because my original group was a lot of older ladies and gentlemen and and I just really didn't feel like I fit in because like I was a young, you know, not young. I mean, I'm in my thirties, but you know, I had, a, I had a kid and I, most of them either had grandchildren or no kids. And they just didn't understand that stress of work and kid life. And now I'm trying to be freaking sober and get with my emotions and feel everything and still like be sane. And, you know, it was just, uh, it was just so much, but going into that room and seeing like familiar, but and it was still in the pandemic. So it was like only five or six people in each room. They couldn't have a huge group. 
So it was more one-on-one -on -one with people, and you had no choice but to share. You had no choice to say something, anything. And I kind of like to talk, so I would usually share. And, you know, it, it helped so much. I, I started doing the 12 steps. I didn't do it my first go-round. And, you know, doing that inventory and just doing a story of my life and writing it all down and really seeing a lot of the things I probably didn't pay attention to much before just come to light. And it made me realize a lot. And it was so awakening. And it, and it, and it was to be able to get all of the, you know, I call them demons. It was just really dark. Like, I'm not, I'm not an evil person, but I was just in a really dark place mentally. And to get all of that out. And to like share a lot of the experiences that I've gone through with someone, because some things I just didn't want to tell anybody. I was too ashamed, and I, I I like to keep some things to myself. And well, alcoholism was a thing I kept to myself. I I didn't want anybody to know except for me. And and to finally get out there and say, hey, you know, I'm sober. And, and I'm slowly, I'm taking baby steps. I mean, because I'll be two years in January. And it, it, and for me, I guess it's just taking baby steps because I felt a lot of pressure. And, you know, as soon as they know you're sober, like, how are they going to treat you? Or, you know, my my husband's mom, my mother-in-law, who's like my lifesaver. She's the mom that I probably wouldn't have wanted growing up, but needed. And, and she's just a wonderful person. You know, she had to find out that I'm sober. And, like, of course, to her, she's thinking, oh, God, what is she sober from? Why is she going to AA? And, I, and who knows what she's thinking I was doing. I mean, I, mean I, I had no judgment whatsoever. I've tried almost everything. But, you know, it's it's that kind of fear of what other people think that kind of would hold me back. And I kind of want to just say, screw it. Like, this is my life. And I just want you to be okay with it because I'm so much happier I'm so much clear-headed. I'm so much present, and I'm 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 not I'm not a perfect mom, but I, I think I could have been a lot better mother with like I have to I have a five-month-old now, but the first year of my five-year-old now's life, I just I mean, I don't think I was really present, and I mean that that part kind of breaks my heart because you know we live in the you know mommy wine culture and how everything is okay to drink and, and how much alcohol gets just pressed in front of everybody. It's just insane to me. And I used to think it was funny until like it wasn't anymore. And, you know, now I own a shirt that says normalized sobriety instead of alcoholic unanimous, you know, it's just, it's just kind of your life just, or my life really flipped upside down in a, in a so much better way. I mean, it's not perfect. I still have stuff come up I'm still crazy sometimes I mean but you know it's like they say life on life's terms I mean and AA might not be for everybody but you know it worked for me so I'm not like super AA like I haven't really read the big book like I'm supposed to but you know, I've worked the steps and I'll do my uh meditations in the morning and my readings at night and I try to make it to one to two to three meetings a week but my work is super busy and the only way, really, I have found to kind of help with my balance and to not feel so alone are, like, y'all's groups. And, like, the all the so there's so many sober mom groups. And, really, there's just, like, sober life groups and AA groups and um, that I didn't even know were out there until I started looking. And then, you know, the podcast has just been 
a really big joy for me. Like, that's why whenever I saw y'all posted that on your uh, page, I was just like, eh, why not? Like, let me just see if, you know, they'd want to hear from a, a, a small town girl from Faraday, Louisiana, you know, and uh, it's just, it's been a journey. I mean, I'm still on it. I mean, I'm still having to do the work because I'm nowhere near where I need to be, but I know where I don't want to be. And that's, that's kind of where mentally I am right now. I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of myself because I went to a work trip just last week where everybody was freaking drinking and that nobody knew that I was sober except for one person knew about what all had happened like three years ago. And they were like, and I used to be the one that got crunk with them and, you know, have fun and dance and karaoke. And they're like, Courtney, I can't wait. And I like show up and I'm like, I'll take a Diet Coke. And they're like, well, what? And I'm like, well, you know, I was like, you know, I, I, after having the baby and before the baby, I stopped drinking. And I just realized that, you know, I, my life's a lot better without alcohol. And which took me about 20 to 30 times preparing how I was going to say that in front of my fellow coworkers because, you know, I'm like asking my sponsor, I'm asking my husband. I was like, should I just be like flat out? I'm alcoholic. Look, went through a dark time. Sorry about it. But hey, I got my job done. Or what do I say? You know, and and he was like, you don't have to tell them anything. It's nobody's business how you got sober, why you're sober or that you're sober. It's just important for you to be sober. And I was like, you know what? That's you're right. You're right. It's nobody's business because I could tell, I could speak for like three more hours about intricate details if I if I really wanted to. But it was so it was tough, but I did it, and I was so proud of myself. Like I could not believe. Like, I mean, that was two full days of people just nonstop drinking. Like from the Uber ride that I had to share with a coworker who wanted to stop by a liquor store on the way to the hotel to the next morning and people already having drinks before they check out and there were so many opportunities where I could have hit it uh, all, all people knew was I was in Florida working they wouldn't have known jack from jack about what I did but I would have and knowing that I'd have to live with that secret inside of me like I, n I no longer want to live that way like it the amount of weight that was lifted off of me from no longer hiding the liquor underneath the, the bathroom sink and no longer drinking the beer in my car, at the amount of weight that was lifted from me from just that anxiety of someone finding my hide spots was, it was amazing. And, and I, I you know, I, I do it one day at a time and sometimes one hour this past week, it was about one hour to 30 minutes at a time, but you know, I did it. I couldn't believe I did it, but I did. Like I didn't want to drink, but I was just so afraid of that pressure for it the non-judgment, I guess, is kind of what I was a little bit worried about. And I survived, and they all got drunk, and I felt great the next day. So there's that. <laughs> but that's kind of where I am today. Um, it's 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 difficult at times, and, you know, I, 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 a lot of my friends still drink. Some of them that know I'm sober won't drink around me, and I'll tell them, you know, if you want to, that's okay. Like, at the beginning, my first six months, no, don't even bring it over to my freaking house. You know, don't rub it in my face. I do not want to see that shit right now. And then after a while, like, okay, I'm a little bit more comfortable. Y'all can go hang out over there, but I better not have to pick up any of your empty beer cans, you know, and, and, and that's still a rule. I'm not going to pick up your beer cans. 
because uh, I don't want that one week day where I just say screw it and take a drink. I don't I don't want that day to happen. But what if? And I just don't ever want to put myself in that predicament until I feel like I'm strong enough. And some people are a lot more accepting. Some people want to know all my business. And, you know, and some people make it awkward. But, you know, it's just I've gotten a lot stronger over the past two years when it comes to all this. And and I think it it just as long as I keep doing the work, I'll get better at it and get more comfortable about being open. And I think this is kind of one of my semi steps was was talking to y'all and hopefully I made some sense but you know I, I just really kind of want to start getting myself out there more in the sober community and uh and I love what y'all do I really do it's it's kind of helps me not feel alone whenever I feel alone in my sobriety and I really appreciate y'all a lot for what y'all do because I'm sure it takes a lot of time and I mean mom life is hard enough and try it sober and actually it gets a little easier I don't know I guess just because you're sober <laughs> stuff still sucks but you know I'm not hungover and you know I'm not worried about when the baby's gonna go to sleep and so I can have a drink so I'm I'm present thank you Courtney very much for um sharing that story with us and your journey and you know, that's a very different um, point of view that we've had on our podcast comparatively to our other guests. Um, I mean, not only were you an alcoholic in hiding, but you went into recovery in hiding. And you kind of still are. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, a little. Yeah, so I think that this is a very valuable message to a lot of our listeners because, you know, one of our one of our hit home things is, you know, helping those who are suffering in silence. And you are the epitome of suffering in silence, you know, yeah. to the point where I mean only your husband knew eventually you know, and, and it's so valuable that other people know that they can relate to you and maybe find hope in the fact that you can go into the rooms or you can go online and find this social, this sober social network that can help save your life and, you know, you can be honest there and it, if you fall down, that's part of sobriety and recovery. Relapse is a part of recovery and it's what you do after that matters and what right. you did, you tried, you tried, and you tried until you were desperate, right? That's right. Right. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, and they say it in the meetings, and, you know, if AA is not for you, that's totally fine. There's no judgment there. There's so many outlets, like you're saying. I mean, like this, I think you said it just so great, like the sober network that's out there now is, is so vast. But, like, I 
literally dropped to my knees and prayed. And I'm not a huge prayer. I mean, I, I actually like just through my whole recovery, I've learned how to properly pray and not just pray for, you know, fun things and actually pray for people and for peace and for, you know, strength. And I got down on my knees and I prayed and I just said, God, just, you know, give me the strength, give me the willingness to, to do this and to do this right, because I'm tired of the way that I'm living. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it it did, it came to a, I wouldn't say shock. It was kind of like, you know, coming out of the closet, but everybody knew and they're like, Oh really? I had no idea. Like, yeah, you did, you know, but thank you for your sweet Southern hospitality. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it takes what it takes. And for me, it was, it was looking up and finding like-minded people. I think that's the biggest part of recovery that find like, I finally realized whenever I found my people, whenever I found like girls, my age and guys, my age, and people with kids, even people without kids that, you know, whenever they, they're telling their story, you're like, Oh my God, that's my story. Like, Oh my God, I think that way. And, you know, I'm not that crazy. This, you know, it, it, it just, that's just life and everybody has their stories. And, you know, I think it's just, a, it's an amazing journey to, I mean, it's tough. It's not easy. I mean, if someone's telling you, oh, it's just a blissful, wonderful time. No, it sucks sometimes, but you know, that it, it, it's worth it. That's all I can say. And mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm not on the pink cloud anymore, but you know, it's, it's, it's still, it's, it's a, it's a journey that I'm still on and I'll stay on as long as I can. For the rest of your life. That's what I hope. One day at a time. Mm-hmm. And some people like that whole saying for the rest of like can be scary. Like I'm never going to drink again, which I don't ever want to drink again. But it's for some people like that I've met it, that whole thought process is I'm never going to have to drink again. It's just something too large for you to think about so you just have to think about I'm not going to drink for today and really Mm -hmm. this past week that's what I said to myself I am you know I'm not going to have a drink at this dinner I'm even almost two years sober but I was telling myself that and whenever I thought about that drink I thought about what happens after that drink and I would not have done that three years ago that is such a perfect example too of of a test to yourself because that's when, I mean, even reading the big book, that's when, you know, the men and women who could, you know, keep a couple weeks or a couple months or maybe even years together, when was their relapse? When they went on a business trip because that's what everyone else was doing. And for some reason in our society, it's this fucked up, twisted thing that we have to explain why we aren't drinking. Well, let me ask you why you are drinking. Like, okay. what happened to you in your childhood? Who touched you where? And, you know, who didn't pay attention to you? And, like, shall we talk about why you are drinking every night to forget about your life? Mm-hmm. No? Okay. All right. So do you want me to explain why I'm not drinking then? Didn't think mm-hmm. so. Go fuck yourself. You know, and like, it's just the fact that that's normal, that like us sober people have to have to think of 
30 different ways and practice how I'm going to say this to people when they ask me. Like, that is so backwards. I mean, it's so backwards. Um, And you, like, the fact that you feel proud of yourself, I mean, that's not cocky. That is, you can still, you can be proud and humble at the same time, but you damn sure should be fucking proud of yourself for getting through that and and staying humble because you are grateful that you made those decisions not to drink. Yeah. And that is not easy at all. No. So I do want to ask you, um, with the 12-step program, honesty is one of the biggest principles, right? Right. And um, kind of, you know, a lot of times when we're in active addiction, we live, that's when you hear about us living our double life. And then when we get into recovery, that's when we can be like, lift that off my shoulders, not just in the rooms, but in life as well. So I'm, and the first thing that comes to mind is like working the steps and working the ninth step and making amends and how were you adequately able to do a sufficient ninth step if you are recovering in hiding? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, uh, for the most part, I do a living amends and you know, the people that are closest to me and the people that I've heard, I have spoke to um, really in detail with my husband because why he stayed with me. I mean, it, I mean, he's just a really strong individual to put up with me and and to stay with me through the whole recovery process. And, and really, like with my mother, it's kind of given her grace and, and, and being there for her as much as I can, I've had to learn boundaries, um, just, just for myself, because, you know, I was, you know, misfix it, and, you know, with, and with some friends, like, there's still letters that need to be wrote, that, you know, I reached, I mean, they had no idea, you know, how bad it got, and, you know, it, it it's stepping up, like, I'm, I'm doing great at work, I mean, I, I just got a promotion, and, I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing the deal, and, and really, I guess for me, because like, that's, that's where I always had that question with my sponsors, like, how am I supposed to go to all these people? And like, like, I, I really hurt that many people. But really, I mean, I, I think I did. I made fake promises. I mean, and I lied to people. And, you know, I, I wasn't the like, as honest as that. I, I wasn't honest. I was really good at lying. And I was proud of it. I mean, let's, let's just be honest here. And uh, it's just, it's just that she was like, you don't have to go to every single individual that you stepped on their toes for. You can have a living amends. If you see that person, you don't have to seek them out. But if you see that person, be like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, I was in a very dark time then. And, you know, I just, you know, I just want you to know that I'm trying to be a better person. And that's really what I do. Like one of the dudes on the trip, like I drunkenly told his wife how much of an asshole I thought he was. And, 
so here we are on our work trip and you know i was like hey you know i just I, he doesn't know i'm sober i didn't say I, I still haven't gotten that strength to and you're right it's so backwards that i'm more afraid to explain why i'm drinking than for you to explain to me why you're looking for a liquor store at you know one o'clock in the afternoon you know and it's just I, I just I li I do a living amends. I try to do right every day, and if I don't do right, I try again the next day. And and especially for my son, like you know, I I was I could have been a little bit better of a mother in his early days, and I wish I would have been more present because like now, like the little bitty things that I'm seeing with this little bitty one is is so different. Like I guess I'm just seeing it with fresher eyes, and it's all so much clearer for me. And it's wonderful, and a part of me gets really sad at thinking about how I don't really remember when he did this because I was probably in a fog, and that's something like that I personally just have to deal with on my own. And you know, there's a lot of amends that I have to make to myself. Like I mean, I that I, I hurt myself, and 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 it, you know, everybody talks about trying to find a way to love yourself, and it took me a long time. I wanted people to love me. I could, you know, fake it till you make it. That was my motto. But I've decided to change that because I, I can no longer fake it. I just got to do it. Mm -hmm. And and that's just kind of where I've kind of changed my life around. It's just being real, not being afraid to hurt people's feelings, except for that I'm afraid to freaking say that I'm sober to everybody. Like, I just want to scream it, you know? And maybe I will just share this podcast and be like, look at me, I'm sober, please leave me alone, you know, but it's just, it's just one of those steps that I, I'll just, whenever I am ready, because, I mean, and I think I'm, I feel like I'm there, I really do feel like I'm there, but, you know, I'll also seek guidance from my sponsor and from my family, and, you know, if I'm not there yet, and if maybe she sees something that I don't see, like you said, I mean, there's a reason for it. And you know what? I had to learn patience. So it's, it all, it all just comes with it. It's all work in progress. Getting my foot wet with, you know, this type of doing a podcast will kind of get me a little bit further out there with, you know, talking to people because I, I really love talking to other sober women really women I men too I mean I can hang out with the guys like you know everybody else but talking to another individual that's like me that thinks like me and has gone through some of the same things as I am and not have to worry about the judgment is probably my most favorite thing about the sober network so Dory provides a very strong message of hope to people because you did make it into the rooms, which works for you. Like we all say, people find your first home group with the old people, that didn't work for you. But you, you, you tried again and again and again and you found your people. And then you've branched out to some different avenues of, you know, of the sobriety network. And you, but you did it. And even though it's not something that you are screaming out loud yet, and nor will you even really ever have to if that opinion of what you 
want to do changes, you know, like you don't have to do that. But um, you just telling your story, you have gradually over almost these two years have made so many baby steps, whatever kind of, you know, definitely weren't long jumps. Um, but baby steps and time takes time, healing takes time. And if this, if, if this is your, what your recovery looks like, and this part of it is going to take a little bit more time than some of the other parts of it, then that's okay. That's okay. Because as long as you're being honest with yourself, in your heart, with your sponsor, of course, um, and but truly, like you said, when you went on that this last trip for work, fucking nobody would have known if you came home and you had been drinking the whole week or weekend or whatever it was. You could be going on like you – have been sober for a year and a half still you're in you know three fours um and no one would have known but you would have known and you said that you would have known and you didn't want that and so even though it's not something that you're like shouting from the rooftops you are you are living the principles and you are demonstrating the characteristics of a person who is working an honest and rigorous 12-step program. And you have your sponsor to help you through some of those uncomfortable baby steps. Mm-hmm. And you're being patient with yourself. Yeah, one of and, my great character defects is right. No, no, no patience there. Right. Well, you are being patient with yourself. And there's nothing there's nothing wrong. Like the fear, the guilt, the shame, we all have that and we all have our own way that we're going to get through that, you know? And mm-hmm. I just I, I think that that your story and experience and that that you're that you're still on it and you're still like you you are tiptoeing your little foot into the podcast pool like you said you know and like branching out little places comfort zone by comfort zone and that is your success and it looks different than other people's success cuz not everyone's success is going to be the same And I just thank you so much for having the courage and the grace and the, the, that feeling in your heart of wanting to share because you know that there are other people out there that are suffering in dark places like you were and that maybe you can help plant a seed to one of those people. And I just really appreciate what you've what you've um, shared with us this evening, Courtney. Like from the bottom of my heart, I do. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the 
the chance to do it. It's fine. I'm really, I'm, I was really, I've been so excited. Like I've even messaged John. Like I'm nervous, but I'm excited, you know. And uh, it's yeah, it's the baby steps. That's just kind of what I have to do. I, I appreciate y'all, and you know, if y'all are out there listening, I mean, podcasts are really awesome. They really are great. I used to think like, why do people just sit around and listen to people talk, and then like I actually do it, and like, well, this is entertaining. I actually enjoy this. But yeah, there there's so much out there that you can research and find and, and do and you know, just even if it's speaking to just one person and you know, getting it out there and someone that you can actually trust that will listen to you because you say it to the wrong person and it might delay your process for a little bit longer because that's what happened to me. And uh I, I, I am so grateful for my sobriety and I, I I don't want to take advantage of it. And I, I thank y'all for giving me this opportunity. Because again, yes, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on. And no, but thank thank you. You know, I know your story will be able to help a lot of people. And we really are grateful that you were able to come on tonight and share. Thank you so much to all our listeners. If you liked what you heard, tune in next Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another episode of Salty Moms Gone Sober. Be there or be square. And in the meantime, stay salty, stay sober, stay sane. Peace.